Hello, one and all. This is the Paul Leslie Hour. It is an absolute honor to welcome you to another episode. You know, this show started more than eight years ago by Paul Leslie, and it's been heard on FM radio, internet radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible. I could keep going on, but no matter how or where you listen, we truly appreciate you. Our special guest on this interview is Lee Lessig. Lee's a Mac and Bistro Award-winning recording artist. Lee Lessig talked with Paul about his CD, Chanteur, a celebration of the songs from the French songbook. Lee Lessig sings the songs on Chanteur in both English and French, taking you, the listener, from the streets of Gay Paris to the Broadway stage. Billboard magazine called Chanteur cabaret romanticism of a higher order. Lee Lessig hails from Philadelphia, and he attended the American Academy of the Dramatic Arts. In 1996, he founded the record label LML Music, and it's the home of many vocal recording artists and performers. Hey, did you know, ladies and gentlemen, that the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through listeners like you? That's right. We bring these interviews to the masses. But it takes work, and there are costs. If you'd like to help, simply go to thepaulleslie.com slash support. That's www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. Thank you now to everyone who contributes. And we appreciate you listeners, too. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Lee Lessig interview, right here right now on The Paul Leslie Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, it's our pleasure to welcome our special guest, Lee Lessack. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. It's my pleasure. My first question, who is Lee Lessack? Oh, my. (laughs) Wow. I've never been asked that question before. I would say uh, Lee Lessack is a uh, uh, recording artist and concert vocalist based in Los Angeles, California, with a new CD that was just released last week. And that CD is Chanteur, and we're going to be talking about that in a moment. I want to go back a little further. Was your household very musical growing up? Part of my household was. My mom is a singer. Uh, She sang with the Philadelphia Opera Company for 20-some years. And her mother, my grandmother, uh, sang as well. She toured all over the world with uh, the Mendelssohn Club Choir. Um, So on my mother's side of the family, there was a lot of music. And on my father's side of the family, there was none. And I'm the only child out of three that, that carried that on. Can you tell us, what were your early music loves? My mom got us involved in a lot of community theater and stuff growing up. And so my first exposure to music was probably, you know, the Broadway songbook. And so that's kind of what I was drawn to. When did you begin to think of yourself as being a performer and a singer? Well, I always wanted to sing. I mean, as a kid and I mean, my whole life, I just always wanted to sing. But it was not until my late 20s that I actually found my voice, my 
voice that I felt was uniquely different and, and where I really discovered that the voice was an instrument that I could play. Up until that point, I mean, I, I always sang and always could get cast in shows and whatnot, but usually in the chorus, uh, I just had not found that specialness. I think my voice matured late. I was out here in L.A., and I was working and taking voice lessons after work and whatnot, and one day I was vocalizing, and I heard something that I thought was unique, that I had not heard before. And ever since then, it was sort of in that moment that I thought, maybe I could do this, because I felt that I, I discovered a sound or a texture that was all my own. Well, on this album of your Chanteur, the the album, I, I began listening to it. I received the album, rather, just as I was starting to, on my own, become aware of some of these French songs. Okay. So, how did you first become aware of this catalog of music? This album, actually, is the... The, the child of a concert. I One of the vocalists that I tour with, we have a vocal trio called Three Men and a Baby Grand, is a Tony Award-nominated Broadway actor by the name of Brian Lane Green. And Brian and I were on tour, and I, I said, you know, I feel like I need a, a new show. I want to start working on a new concert that I can tour with next season. And he came up with this idea of Chanteur, and he just, he knows me musically and vocally, and he knows where I live as an actor, and he just felt that this material was very suited. And so when he first gave me the idea, I was like, mm, yeah, I, I, that's interesting, it's different, and I think it's marketable. And, and then when he brought me the song list, I realized that so many of these standards that many of us think of as the great American songbook are actually rooted in the great French songbook. And so, you know, most of us know the song She as the theme song of the movie Notting Hill but and that Elvis Costello performed. We don't realize that it's, you know, was written by Charles Aznavour. And so what I realized was that, uh, you know, we, we owe a lot to this songbook. And the thing that I really love about the great French songbook is that most of the songwriters, the French songwriters, were, uh, started out as poets. And so every song is like a one-act play. And there's, it's just rich in, in story. And as a performer, I love that. I love, the, I love to tell stories. And so there's so much to connect to as an artist that... It, it was really a, a very exciting process. As hard as it is to separate the melody from the lyrics, would you say that one has a greater emotional effect on you? Well, I'm a very lyrically driven listener and performer. There's nothing more frustrating to me than listening to something on the radio and not being able to understand what they're saying. I am very lyrically driven. I listen to the words. That is not to, to say that a haunting melody can't evoke a very strong emotional response, but I personally am, am, am lyrically driven. And when that lyric meets the, a melody to carry it, 
you know, it's like the lyric is the is the message, and the the music is the messenger. When that's a perfect marriage, I mean, there's nothing better. Have you been to France? I have been to France. In fact, I premiered the the concert version of Chanteur in Paris uh, and Lille last uh, last summer, which was very exciting. Is there still in France? Is there still a great respect for a lot of these classic songs? Yes. You know what I find very interesting. A lot of the the younger audience members, I'm going to say. 20s, 30s, 40s, that were at the concert, they, it's interesting, even though they obviously have popular and contemporary music and, and, and they love it, the, the French are all very connected to the songs of their childhood and their heritage and their upbringing. And so they love these songs. They love these songs. I can't tell you how many you know, young people today that I come in contact with if I'm teaching a master class or whatever. So, you know, college-age kids that don't know who Ella Fitzgerald is and weren't familiar with Judy Garland. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. And the French are very different. I think that they really embrace the songs of their heritage as much as they do popular music. And so they, they were familiar with all of these songs. Do you think that here in America, perhaps some of the young people, like we're not maybe teaching people enough about some of the American songwriters like Irving Berlin or Johnny Mercer? Yes, I would agree with that. I definitely would agree with that. I can't tell you, last year I toured with um, with a Johnny Mercer tribute concert called Too Marvelous for Words, the Songs of Johnny Mercer, and I cannot tell you how many... Audience members came up to me after, and most of them, you know, I would say under 40 that or under 30 that said, you know, we love the show and we didn't know any of this music before. It's fascinating to me because I think of them as, you know, they are, they're the gold standards. Nobody writes a song like Moon River anymore, you know? That's true. Well, on your album, Chanteur, do you have a favorite song or could you pick a favorite song from the record? Oh gosh, it's like trying to pick a favorite child. Um, I'm going to say one of my favorites on this recording is What Now My Love. I like it for a couple of reasons. I find it to be a very haunting lyric. And John Boswell, my musical arranger and who, who played on the album, this song, it's, it's, it's very much an anthem. It's, it's usually heard as a march. Judy Garland did a gorgeous, stunning um, uh, recording of it, but it's very much a march. And I wanted something different. And John created this arrangement that I just think is, uh, it, it, I don't know, it allows the lyric to breathe uh, freer, I think. And it's interesting because when people, I mean, the album just came out, so I'm just now beginning to hear from people, oh, I love this song, or this is my favorite song, but this, uh, What Now My Love, really seems to resonate with uh, with people. So I'm, I'm thrilled because I love it. I wanted to talk about one of the songs on the album, The Importance of the Rose. Uh-huh. A lot of people would probably recognize that melody, 
It's been in so many different soundtracks. But again, going back to what you said earlier, a lot of people wouldn't know. Like, oh, that's a song from the French Well, actually, full disclosure here, what we did was we blended the flower duet, which is from the opera Lachme. Leo Delib wrote the opera uh, Lachme. And the flower duet, which is what you hear at the beginning, which is quite familiar because it has been in many soundtracks, we use that, a bit of that, as the introduction to the importance of the rose. That song, the, the song itself, was uh, written by Gilbert Bacot, and Rod McEwen actually wrote the English lyrics. I don't know if that is as popular as the intro that we used, but because it's the flower duet, we just we, we thought it was the perfect marriage. Definitely went very well together. Very beautiful track. When somebody is listening to this album, Chantura, what do you hope to accomplish as far as the listener's standpoint? What do you hope that they get out of the experience? Well, I, I think that there's um, the journey that I was taking on, on this recording is all about, you know, love and loss and new love and what we treasure in others and in ourselves. And so, you know, I hope that they take that journey as a listener. I wanted to take a moment and talk about LML Records. Okay. Somebody called me last night, uh, Marty Panzer, and he uh -huh. was talking about some of the interviews I've done recently with some of the artists that are on LML Records. And he said, you know, what the, that label is doing is very important because there are so many voices out there that are fighting to be heard in music. And, for example and I'm not picking on her, but recently Katy Perry has made the news uh, just because she's broken these different records as far as immense popularity of the songs. Mm -hmm. And he made the observation that sometimes there is some truly great art that we don't hear about because there's so much noise generating around maybe four or five people. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I started, first of all, I'll, I'll say it's LML Music. In case anybody's trying to find us online, it's LML Music, not LML Records. But um, most people say LML Records. So, uh, but, but I started this label because I had an album that I needed to distribute, and I needed a label name. And so, you know, it's just sort of grown from that place to where we are today with over 100 vocalists. Uh, on the label. So, um, and it's given a home, especially in these, the, these times where music is so forever changing and the music industry is changing, where, you know, even if you are a known entity, it's hard to get a label deal. You know, it's very hard to get a label deal because what it costs to produce and promote, you know, it's a big investment. And, and, and you gotta sell a lot of albums. I mean, I have artists, friends that, you know, have even come off of American Idol, you know, and they, if they didn't sell a million copies, they, they lose their deal. That's a lot. And so what I have tried to do was to provide a home for vocalists that, you know, I, that I really look for great vocals and lyrically driven music. I mean, I think we've succeeded in that, and I'm thrilled to see the artists that our household names, like Tom Wopat and Leah Salonga and Stephen Schwartz, 
that they have come to call LMO music their home because more and more today, uh, artists are, you know, self-producing and self-funding their recordings because the record labels, you live in such a, a world of recruitment, it's hard to make money. And, they, and the record labels invest a lot, so they need to recoup that. I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, who are some of the other interpreters of the French songbook that you think have done that extremely well? There's an artist that I absolutely love, and I actually think she's Canadian and not French. Maybe French-Canadian is Alara Fabian. She has a gorgeous, a gorgeous recording called En Tout Intimite. Gorgeous recording. Um, I like her. Isabelle Boulay, who I also think is Canadian. Um, I like her very much. Josh Groban has done some beautiful covers of uh, French music as well. I don't know if Uta Lemper has done... I think she has done Jacques Brel. She's fabulous. Those, those are the ones that are coming to mind. What is your impression of Amanda McBroom? Well, I think Amanda McBroom is one of the greatest interpreters of the Jacques Brel songbook. You know, that she was in one of the original productions of Jacques Brel is Alive and Well and Living in Paris. And that's where she met her husband, George Ball, up in San Francisco. It's interesting. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see Amanda this afternoon. She did that show. Of course, most people know Amanda because she is the songwriter of the song The Rose from the movie that Bette Midler starred in. Many of the recordings that Amanda has released have been her original uh, songs, as they should be, because she's a gorgeous, gorgeous songwriter. She has her own label, Gecko Records, and when she recorded the Jacques Brel recording, she and her manager brought the project to LML Music to distribute and so I'm thrilled because she's been a, a friend for a long time and I'm a big fan of her work that we distribute that recording. I think it's some of the most inspired arrangements of Jacques Brel that I've ever heard. Just gorgeous. And she included songs that I had never heard and I thought that I knew the entire songbook uh, because I'm a big fan of Jacques Brel. That's been really thrilling. Her, her CD is called Chasson. Uh, I just think it's gorgeous. Tell me about uh, an upcoming performance that you have with Amanda McBroom. Yes, I'm thrilled to be sharing the stage with her. Since both of our new recordings have a uh, French composer connection, we have teamed up for a concert called Chanson d'Amour, the Songs of Love. And we, we premiered it in Austin, Texas this spring. And it was just so much fun. I've, I've not performed in concert with Amanda before, and it was just a, a joy. We are part of the summer series at the John Anson Ford Amphitheater, which is a charming 1,300-seat outdoor amphitheater across from the Hollywood Bowl, nestled into the Hollywood Hills. And we are performing our, our concert, Chanson d'Amour, on Friday, October 7th. It's going to be quite a night. It's just a really magical venue. We've both performed there before in, in separate productions, and it's just a magical venue, you know, out under the stars. It's a very intimate theater, even though it's 1,300 seats. I, I think this music in that setting is, is just going to be delightful. What is the best thing 
about being Lee Lissack? Aside from being on the Paul Leslie show? (laughs) (laughs) Come on now. Well, I don't know. I'm a pretty nice guy. Uh, And I think that in terms of music, if we're going to wrap this around music, I think that there is a, a warmth and accessibility to my voice and in my recordings that really uh, touches the listener's heart. And I could not ask for anything more than that. Wow, very well put. I have two final questions. Okay. One is somewhat lighthearted. What is your all-time favorite meal? Well, I'm going to have to say, it's probably not politically correct, but there's nothing like a good lamb chop. You're speaking my language there. (laughs) (laughs) You're based in Georgia, right? I am, yep. Okay, then then we're safe. (laughs) Yeah, we're safe. We're safe here for the most part. (laughs) Now, for my last question, like this music, it's heard all over the world. For anybody who's listening to this interview, no matter where they are, what country, where in America or beyond, what would you like to say to all the people who are listening in? It's been great to meet you on the air, and I hope you'll take a listen to Chanteur and then spread the word. Uh, I'm finding, you know, that in this day and age of social media and cyber chatting and, and tweeting and Internet radio and whatnot, it's just amazing how I would love that for this album to spread like Susan Boyle's YouTube appearance on a, a Britain's Got Talent. That's what I'd love to happen. Is that is that too much? <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> well, sir, I appreciate very much this interview. And for anybody that wants to find out more about you, they can go to www.lmlmusic.com and then also to your website. And I was hoping you could share that with everyone. Yes, I have a website. It's leelessack.com, L-E-E. L-E-S-S-A-C-K dot com. And everyone can go there and they can find out more about what it is that you do. And I really appreciate this interview. Yes, I was. it was a pleasure to meet you and, uh, and to be on the show. And hopefully we, we'll do it again soon. I hope so. And if you're in Atlanta, I hope to hear you sing personally. It's a deal. All right, Lee. You have Take a good care. day. Yes, you too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer. Written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour. <laughs>